0: Oh, <laughs> yo. Good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you, as the Lord gives us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 o'clock on these domestic church media, Catholic radio stations, and all of our platforms that we use to broadcast the joy of the gospel and all the beautiful teachings of our church. And I'm so happy you're here, my friends, on this Oh, halfway to Christmas, <laughs> right? Today is June 25th. We're six months away from Christmas. What a year this has been, hmm? <laughs> Let's hope that the second half of the year, leading up to that wonderful celebration, just continually improves. I don't know, though. but We'll keep praying for that. I'm happy you're here. Uh, today, of course, Thursday, and it is Catechism Day, so I want to pick up uh, this week... Where we left off <clears throat> excuse me, last week, we started uh, a couple weeks ago in the Catechism on Social Justice, because we hear a lot about that, and I wanted to uh, just share with you what the Church teaches, and we have covered uh, respect for the human person, equality and differences among men, and today we're going to continue with the human solidarity. Uh, just kind of put all this in perspective, We hear we, we just see so much division, we hear about so much division— And it's uh, just so important to go back to the basic teaching of Jesus Christ on these issues, these social justice issues. So that'll be the second half of the program. The first half of the program, I saw this in uh, the Catholic News Agency report today. Uh, Bishop Donald Hying, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Hying, H-Y-I-N-G, of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, has spoken out. Um, against the destruction of statues, specifically religious statues. You know, I've shared with you on a Tuesday that uh, leftist anarchist Sean something or other uh, wanted to take down all the statues of white Jesus, he said, and his mother and their white friends. That's That's what he said. Well, Bishop from Madison, Wisconsin, has, uh, is speaking out about that. So I want to share that with you as well. It's always good to hear the strong voice of, of our bishops uh, speaking out against these injustices. So I hope you can stay with me. You now, if you are listening live here at 4.03 on this June 25th, 2020, also coming to you live on all of our audio platforms, uh, if you have our free domestic church media mobile app, you can just click Listen Now on that, and you can listen right there. Or you can watch, because we're coming to you live also on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, as well as on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Uh, and uh, let's see, the uh, Amazon Echo and the Google Home devices as well. Just say Play Domestic Church Media. Now, if you have a little—if you say—I did it this morning. And I don't know what—sometimes these devices get a little confused, but I, I asked the device to play domestic church media, and it was, it went to the podcasts. It, it went to the Apple podcast selections. So then I said instead on the Google—on uh, the um, Amazon Echo device, it said open domestic church media. Then it brought up the live stream. So anyway, just for your information. But first, more than anything else, my friends, we're going to come together in prayer, and uh, I invite you right now, wherever you are, listening, watching, you know, we do repeat the program uh, later on uh, tonight at 10 o'clock, and uh, it's also then posted eventually on our website, on podcasts, and it's, the uh, video stream remains on our YouTube channel as it does on our Facebook page. So however you're participating in the program today, uh, you know, God's timing is perfect, and God is outside of time. And so, uh, when we pray, no matter when or where or how uh, you're praying along, it's the perfect time because it's in God's present moment. So, let's begin as we begin all good things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, we continue to remember our young friend Maria uh, and her situation. We're praying for the miracle that that tumor on her brain stem will disappear. We're also praying for peace in our world and peace among men and women and all people. Uh, Praying for our president and all of our elected officials, that they all, in their decisions, are guided by the Holy Spirit. They're open to that. Um, Also pray for the apostolate, as I've been sharing with you You know, a few weeks ago when we had that direct-go storm rush through. It did uh, irreparable damage on our transmitter at 1260 AM, which is our major AM station here in New Jersey, our flagship station. We're kind of flying um, on a wing and a prayer right now. Uh, it's a makeshift on a backup transmitter. But um, anyway, that we have to get a new transmitter. Now, say some prayers because we had a development today that may have very good and positive results for us. I can't get into the details at the moment, but we're just waiting word uh, but just keep just keep us in prayer, because the Lord's going to take care of us. We know that. And uh, one thing I've learned in my work in Apostolate, is our God is a God of surprises. <laughs> so uh, many surprises are still awaiting us, I'm sure. So we'll keep that in prayer. We're praying the prayer Holy Father uh, Pope Francis has given us to protect us from the pandemic. And then we're praying the prayers to St. Michael and also to our Blessed Mother, to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. So let's begin with the prayer Holy Father Pope Francis has given us to protect us from the pandemic. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God. In the present tragic situation, when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety, we fly to you, Mother of God and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes toward us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones who are sick and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end, and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son as you did at Cana, so that the families of the sick and the victims, of, uh, and the victims be comforted, and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect those doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and volunteers who are on the front lines of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research. That they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders that with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that In a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need. Make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Amen. And our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and the Subtum Presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother, praying as Holy Father asks that uh, the Church is protected from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, Pray for us, St. Pope John Paul II. Pray for us, Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, I thank you for joining me on this uh, June 25th, six months from Christmas. (laughs) And you know, you know, you know as well as I that these next six months are going to fly right by. Uh, But... You know, it's been a, a, a very strange year, a very challenging year. It's been a, a very uh, upsetting year. Um, my goodness, uh, the, the world has turned upside down in so many ways, hasn't it? And now we're hearing all these reports about uh, the virus having uh, spikes and surges in some of the southern states uh, like Florida and Texas, Arizona, Arkansas, California. Um, but you know, I, I mentioned the other day, and I and I, I think it's a very valid theory. I don't know how much weight we can put on it, but I did hear one person, only one person, make the suggestion that we're seeing a spike in those states now because it's summer, and uh, in those states, and having lived in Arizona, I know summertime in Arizona is like winter time here. You don't go outside much. You stay inside. <laughs> it's so hot. Uh, you stay where it's air conditioned. And we heard reports back at the the height of the pandemic here in the Northeast that it, the virus was more contagious uh, when people were indoors, obviously, because of the enclosed environment. So that perhaps could be a reason why we're seeing spikes. And if you look at the map, you see it's all those southern states where it's 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 hot. It's hot, (laughs) you know, and people go inside to get cool. And when people are confined indoors, that's when the virus spreads uh, more rapidly. Who knows? We just have to pray in our prayers that Almighty God gets this thing out of here. That's, I mean, that, because you wonder, you know, you hear a lot of reports on mask wearing and social distancing and six feet apart and all this other stuff, Um, and I'm not Diminishing that at all. I, I obviously it's being done for a reason. The virus is real, um, but you know the other argument is is the cure worse than the sickness? And and so it just it's a, it's a, a gentle and delicate balance. And it's I think what I've come. What Sher and I were talking about this last night. But we've come to realize is that everybody has to operate in their own comfort zone. You know, one way is not necessarily the best way. I guess I don't know. Um, so we just have to, uh, we have the guidelines. we're being told what are the, what's the best way to deal with it. Uh, we know that there are levels of severity depending on what group you fall into. you know the more vulnerable, the more susceptible to the virus, the elderly, those who already have pre-existing conditions that that would make them more vulnerable, uh, as opposed to young people, although they, they're saying now a lot of the uh, virus uh, cases uh, in uh, those southern states like Arizona, Florida, um, is mostly younger people, 20s, 30s, but they're saying because they've been socializing more. So I, You know, yet we saw, you know, over two weeks ago uh, all of those protests that have been taking place around the country where not everyone was wearing masks and not everyone was, they certainly weren't social distancing, um, and there's about a 14-day maximum incubation period for the virus, they say, and we're not seeing spikes in those major cities like New York or, or some of the other cities where we, we saw that uh, take place. So, who knows? You know, as people of faith uh, and people of hope, we just place all of our trust and hope in the Lord, and we know that Jesus is right here with us. He's walking with us. He understands. He knows. Uh, he's already... Uh, way ahead of us he's he's in he's in the future so to speak because there is no time everything is present to him so he knows what tomorrow will bring he's there already um and we just have to place our trust in him and and operate and work within and live within your comfort zone and uh, we don't uh we we don't diminish anybody's uh, reaction or response to this so our greatest weapon against it all, though, including the weapon, including the the, the division that we see in our country and in our church, uh, is prayer. Just praying. And Holy Father spoke about that yesterday, you know, and with his beautiful teaching uh, on his general audience when he was talking about prayer. And, and God hears even the sinner's prayer. And I was listening to this morning, I don't know if you heard uh, 9 o'clock, you know, we have uh, the wisdom of Father Groschel, our wonderful, dear uh Father Rochelle of happier Memory," who I, I had the great joy of meeting a few times, and to the point where he would he was you know he would actually call me um, on occasion. Um, but this morning he was his series right now that we're running at nine o'clock is on hope. And this morning he gave that beautiful reflection, on, and I've shared it with you many times uh, from Faustina's diary on the conversation that was revealed faustina said by jesus himself of the despairing soul with the merciful savior and how even the most hardened of sinners in this world are given that last chance of grace and mercy if they want it uh, in that time uh, from moving from this world into the next world, from this life into eternal life. And I just think it's, a, it's a, every time I hear it, and I, you know, no, one can, no one can teach, I think, better than, than our Father Grochelle. Um and he just does such a beautiful job and did a beautiful job on that program this morning. I, it just touches my heart when I hear him talk about that, because it, it shows this hope for everything and everyone. This world is a broken world. It's a fallen world. Because of sin, and it's a struggle every day, isn't it? A struggle every day to to do the best you can, to to live the way you're supposed to live, to to live up to our discipleship. It's tough. We fall. We have our ups. We have our downs. But through it all, we have Jesus, and we have prayer, and relationship, and encounter with Christ that keeps us moving forward with great, great, uh, great joy and great hope. Now. I did see this morning in the Catholic News Agency a little article here that the Bishop of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Bishop Donald Hying, said he couldn't remain silent anymore regarding what we're seeing going on in our country as, you know, rioters— In the U.S., they continue to target statues. (laughs) Now I think it's just, if it's on a pedestal, they tear it down, no matter who it is. Um, But there has been, as I shared with you the other day, a call to destroy some depictions of Jesus, the Blessed Mother, and the person said, they're friends, they're white friends. Well, Bishop uh, Hying of Madison uh, has composed a, I think it's a pastoral letter or a letter from the the bishop uh, saying, should certain statues be placed in museums or storage? Perhaps should we let a group of vandals make those decisions for us? No, the bishop said. If we allow the commemorative and visual history of our nation to be destroyed by random groups In the current moment of anger, how will we ever learn from that history? Does toppling and vandalizing a statue of George Washington because he owned slaves really serve our country and our collective memory? Uh, The bishop also responded to a recent uh, tweet that I shared with you, Sean King, that was his name, Sean King, who said that statues of white European uh, they claim as Jesus are a form of white supremacy and ought to be torn down along with murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus, his European mother, and their white friends. Bishop Hying of Wisconsin, Madison, uh, Wisconsin, noted that every culture, country, ethnicity, and race has claimed Jesus and the Blessed Virgin as their own depicting them with their culture's skin color and dressed in their culture's garb. And he cited the Catechism, paragraph 1149. The liturgy of the Church presupposes, integrates, and sanctifies elements from creation and human culture, conferring on them the dignity of signs and grace of the new creation in Jesus Christ. And the bishop cited the example of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Uh, who appeared as a mixed race. Uh, African art depicts Jesus as black and Mary in in African cultural garb, and there are numerous Asian representations of Mary as well. Uh, While some point to the Church's history, while some, I'm sorry, at some points in the Church's history, some have mistakenly equated the fullness of Catholicism with European culture, Catholics should instead strive for unity in that which is essential and diversity in those things which are not. Um, the bishop said in this context, Are white representations of Christ and his mother inherently signs of white supremacy? I think not, he said, because the Son of God became incarnate, and our human flesh does not, uh, does not all of humanity, every race, tribe, and tongue, have the spiritual ability to depict him through the particular lens of their own culture. And you've seen, we've all seen those images, right? Um, The bishop said, and this is Bishop Heiling of uh, Madison, depictions of Jesus are holy to Christians. He said, They're physical manifestations of God's love and remind us of the nearness of the divine. Uh, The secular iconoclasm of the current moment will not bring reconciliation, peace, and healing. Such violence will only perpetuate the prejudice and hatred it ostensibly seeks to end. Only the love of Christ can heal a wounded heart, not a vandalized piece of metal. And apparently in Madison itself, and you may have seen this on the news, rioters pulled down a statue of Hans Christian Heg, who was an abolitionist who f- fought against the c- Confederates and slave catchers and threw... Uh, this statue into a lake in Madison. So the the statue was recovered. Unfortunately, though, the damage was his head was off, and so was a leg. Another statue known as Lady Forward, a replica of a famous statue created by a woman uh, depicting progress, also was torn down and was dragged at least a block through the center of Madison by rioters. And as you know, um, across the country, protesters in recent days have been toppling statues of Confederate leaders, uh, the figures associated with slavery, but also in some places have pulled down statues of Catholic saints, abolitionists, and other uh, figures. So, Bishop Hying from Madison, Wisconsin, just couldn't hold back anymore. And he emphasized that many of the most successful protests of the civil rights era were predicated on, uh, predicated rather on Christian ideas of nonviolence and a scriptural understanding of the human person. You know, one thing we 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 uh, embrace so dearly in our country is the right to assemble <laughs> peacefully, to sem- assemble, and to come together and protest. Listen, we you know the March for Life every January where hundreds of thousands of people come to peacefully protest the horror of the violent murder of children in the womb. It's a perfect example of the right we have as citizens of the U.S. to peacefully assemble and protest. And we do it every year, the pro-life movement does it every year in January, with hundreds of thousands of people. And there's not one act of vandalism, there's not one uh, toppled statue or uh, one you know individual hurt in any way, great and enormous respect for the police who are there to keep the peace uh and that's the way to do it. You know if there's ever an example of how to get your point across and a very important in this case, obviously probably the most important point to be gotten across in the current uh, climate and culture the the protect the right to life it's done the way it should be done and i think you know just talk about social justice and we 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 embrace the right and respect the right for anyone to peacefully assemble and protest you have we have the right to do that that's the you know, what, one point that I've heard many commentators make uh, recently is that for all our imperfections in this country, and we do have them, obviously, it's still the best place in the world, or we wouldn't have so many people to the tune of a million a year wanting to get in and come and live here to escape those injustices. And again, not perfect in any way, and there are many, many imperfections that need to be corrected. And hopefully, as we continue to grow as a nation, those things are corrected. But within the context of the rule of law and how uh, a civilized people corrects those things. So I I think it's great. Bishop uh, Donald Hyling from Madison, Wisconsin, speaking out against this. And speaking out against, you know, now, uh, you know, we, we think about if this Sean King, this individual who uh, had these tweets go viral about tearing down statues of white Jesus and white Mary and their white friends, um, including stained glass and murals and statues, you you pray that that doesn't start to become... The next target, because I don't know how you know I, I, you know quite frankly how would we as as Catholics react to that? You certainly don't you know you don't do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know that that the Old Testament way. I remember that the great uh, great line from Fiddler on the Roof when when uh, Tevye was posed that that question: an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The law of Moses and and uh, Tevya said, "Well, uh, that way the whole world will be blind and toothless." You know, there's a way to, to. Jesus said, "You know, he brought peace to bring peace to do things peaceably, peacefully." So, anyway, that's in the Catholic News Agency. If you, if you never, if you have an opportunity, you should check that out on a daily basis. We have it on our on our our free mobile app, uh, catholicnewsagency.com. dot com. It's right there. Uh, It's uh, owned by EWTN, and so it's uh, great, authentic, solid uh, teaching and news reporting with no spin. Um, And, you know, we need more of that these days, don't we? Because we see so much uh, deception out there, and we know who the father of deception is, the father of lies, Jesus called him. So it's good to go to an authentic Catholic news reporting agency. There are some out there, you know— that uh, I don't uh, just kind of get under my skin. But we have to be a unified body as the body of Christ. We have to come together in love, charity, peace, and work together and pray together and worship together. I don't know how how it's going for you with the new um, mass situation with the masks and the, No singing and and no choir. I know Cheryl gets a little frustrated because she can't have choir, and and, uh, it's just different, right? But we still have Jesus, and um, we have to be united as his body here on earth and united in in truth and united in peace and work together. Because, you know, we see our country right now really at a turning point. I think we're finding uh, as we get closer to November's election, we're seeing the separation of the oil and water, where it's no longer a large shade of gray. We pretty much know where each side is coming from. And we have to make a decision based on what we want here for our society, based on our basic Judeo-Christian values. The way I grew up and the way you grew up, uh, the country was a, a, a lot more solidified in the, the understanding of what those values were and how we grew and lived as a society. Unfortunately, these days, that's not the same. It's it's changed. And so we have to pray for that. All right, let me uh, take a break. I'm going to come back. We're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And today's lesson from the Catechism begins on paragraph 1939, Human Solidarity. So stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come on Come to Me. to end abortion, halt the attack on traditional marriage, and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. on these Domestic Church Media Stations. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica.
1: Do not let your heart be troubled. Is your heart trouble? Well, what about? Well, I have a, my children are not in the church. <sighs> We've had tragedy after tragedy in our family. This one is a born loser, never been successful in his life. This one has terrible pain, all that. So who knows Jesus? And yet, our dear Lord looks at us with great love as only a friend can, a real friend, and, and say, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I want you to, to think of that. He's saying, don't let it. Ah, oh, now, that means you can do something about it, doesn't it? Huh? He doesn't say, I'm going to help you not to let your hearts be troubled. No, he said, you don't let it trouble you.
0: The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. From Lahaska to Long Branch. Solbury to Seaside Park. Atlantic Highlands to Allentown. Ocean Grove to Oxford Valley. Little Silver to Lower Makefield. Proclaiming the Joy of the Gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, my friends, and in just a moment, we're going to go into the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We hear a lot about social justice these days, so I thought, as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, continue with the Church's teaching on social justice from our Catechism. We'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do that, again, just to kind of fill you in on... The where we are with our transmitter, you know, we, a few weeks ago had the Dureco storm come through, and it uh, pretty much destroyed our AM transmitter, 1260. Uh, irreparable damage has been done. We're operating now on a backup transmitter, mm, lower, much lower power. So anyway, we need a new transmitter. I've been sharing that with you. $38,000 is what we need. I want to thank all of you who have been responding to that. Thank you so much um but I'm going to ask you please keep praying because it, we need we need a lot more and um to get there and uh but we had a situation today we're just praying that you know God in his own great way takes care of us so just keep everything in prayer I'll keep you posted um the transmitter that we have now is uh, uh over thir- it was 30 over 30 years old uh oh, I guess 30, 30, just the 1990, right? That, that 30 years. <laughs> 1990 to me seems like it's just a couple of years ago. I don't know. 30 years ago. My goodness. Um, I always like to think, I know it's not going to make any sense. It's my own warped way of thinking of things. I thought, okay, so that's 30 years ago. Doesn't seem like 30 years ago, but in 1990 if 30 years ago would have been 1960. I would have been in kindergarten. Just, just the time, I guess it's going to be great. We, we eventually get to heaven, you know there is no time, none of this will make any any difference. It's just all present, all present, no aging, no saying goodbye, no getting sick, no worry, no anxiety, no sin, just just uh, eternal e- eternal peace, eternal uh, joy and all this other stuff won't make any difference. Anyway, we've right now, though, we've got to deal with the transmitter situation. $38,000 is what we need to buy a new transmitter. Uh, and Nick, our engineer, was here today uh, going over a few things with me. And apparently the, the, the current transmitter, as I said, is 30 years old and it's kaput. But a new transmitter for 38000 he goes, the way they make them today would really increase um the power of our signal, it wouldn't go any farther where than it, where it goes normally, but it, within our footprint, like right now, if people are on the fringe up in northern Huntington County or uh, down in, in southern Burlington County or into uh, Camden or Gloucester counties down that way, uh, where it's kind of, you know, scratchy, and it'll be a more powerful signal. So... Uh, God is doing, you know, great things, and He always has for us, and we just trust Him and just hope and uh, believe that uh, somehow, some way, it always happens, uh, He provides what we need, and we thank Him for that. So just keep praying for that. He does it through you. You know, you are our dear family of listeners and viewers. That's how we've existed the past uh, uh, number of, well, how many it'll, in September it will be 12 years on the air, twelve sixty-one on the air in, in 2008, so yeah, maybe 12 years on the air, 1260. So maybe we had a birthday present for this station. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go to the Catechism. Thursdays we do this traditionally, and this is the section of the Catechism on Social Justice, and today, Section 3 of that particular section, Human Solidarity. This is what our Catechism says. The principle of solidarity, also articulated in terms of f- friendship or social charity, is a direct demand of human and Christian brotherhood. An error, today abundantly widespread, is disregard for the law of human solidarity and charity, dictated and imposed by both our common origin and... And by the equality and rational nature of all men, whatever nation they belong to, this law is sealed by the sacrifice of redemption offered by Jesus Christ on the altar of the cross to his heavenly Father on behalf of sinful humanity. You know, when you travel, uh, even in other parts of the U.S., you know, we, we have different cultures. You know, if you go like when we lived in, in the desert southwest, we lived in Phoenix for three years, uh, there's a, a much different culture uh, uh, of people because of the, of the influences of the uh, our neighbors to the south, of the Mexican uh, uh, people who would come to that part of the country if they crossed the border uh, and lived there in, in that you know Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California, and they bring with them their culture, just as we brought our culture here from Europe. You know, we, we came uh, to this country, my people came to this country uh, back in the the turn of the century, of the last century, um, and obviously bring with it, with them, uh, you know, very much of their culture. And we see that, you know, it's uh, they used to call uh, the U.S. the melting pot, you know. So we see that here, but if you travel the world, you see obviously even in a more um uh, a more obvious way, but the point is is that we are all all brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're all children of God, and it demands this solidarity in our Christianity in our discipleship uh paragraph 1940 in our catechism says solidarity is manifested in the first place by the distribution of goods and remun- remuneration for work it also presupposes the effort of a more for a more so, uh, just social order where tensions are better able to be reduced and conflicts more readily settled by negotiation well we're seeing conflicts today in our country in many ways aren't we um once again, the racial tensions have flared up. There was a long time there, and, and maybe I'm naive. I, I don't know. I, 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 but I, I recall, you know, having lived through the 1960s and, and, and racial tensions were very high. Then, of course, I was only in grammar school, but I do remember them. I do remember the race riots, and I remember, you know, Watts in 1965. and Just from the news, it was, it was, you'd remember these things. Newark, New Jersey, had them, uh, but then I remember a period of of true reform in the area of race relations, where it didn't seem like there was a lot of tension anymore, and, and there was much just a much more mutual respect, obviously, and a, a, a an acceptance of differences, and and a better because there was a better understanding of it, and a better way of presenting these things, and and obviously you know we had tough times in the 60s and i thought they had gotten better but here we go again but i think if we look at again as as disciples as christians as members of the church founded by christ himself that we, we even even with the socioeconomic problems that we have uh they can be resolved within the moral order and within negotiation and, and, and understanding. Now, catechism um, says socioeconomic problems can be resolved only with the help of all the forms of solidarity. Solidarity of the poor among themselves, between rich and poor, of workers among themselves, between employers and employees in a business, solidarity among nations and peoples, International solidarity is a requirement of the moral order. World peace depends in part upon this. Do you remember, and I'm sure many of you do, how close we were to nuclear war and probable annihilation uh, back in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis? The Cold War at its most ugly peak I remember that. You all remember, I'm sure, um, or most of you anyway, uh, having air raid drills in school, actually more so (laughs) fallout shelter drills. We'd have to go down into the fallout shelter. What is that, a fallout shelter? For those of you who don't know, uh, basically basements of buildings (laughs) or homes, and some were built that would protect people, only temporarily from the fallout of a nuclear explosion. I remember that. I remember didn't do much good, though. I've stopped to think about it now. You know, one of our drills was as children in, I remember, second grade. It was 1960s. I remember second grade. And they would have these um, drills, fallout drills. Where we would get under the desks and have to get on the floor with our hands over our heads under the desk. Like that was going to do any good in the, uh, uh, you know, the dropping of a a hydrogen bomb. But we were preparing for it. We were that close to it. And when Cuba put, I'm sorry, when Russia put uh, uh, missiles in Cuba and President Kennedy had to, you know, they're 90 miles from our shore. Um, he had to stand firm and stand up to the threat. But I remember it was a very, very difficult ten days. <laughs> I still remember as a as a, as a second grader, nineteen sixty-two. I guess I was I was uh, eight years old. going just about to turn eight, and I remember my father. I never forget my father taking. And there were I have four siblings, so there were five of us, and my mother, of course, and in the living room, just praying the rosary every night that this wouldn't happen. This is how horribly man can be toward man. You know, you see it today, and and you wonder how can these things be? You know, how can how can this? Peace that is supposed to be among all men and women be constantly disrupted. In, 19, in paragraph 1942, our catechism says The virtue of solidarity goes beyond material goods. In spreading the spiritual goods of the faith, the church has promoted and often opened new paths for the development of temporal goods as well. And so, throughout the centuries, has the Lord's saying been verified Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be yours as well. For 2,000 years, this sentiment has lived and endured in the soul of the Church, impelling souls then and now to the heroic charity of monastic farmers, liberators of slaves, healers of the sick, and messengers of faith, civilization, and science to all generations and all peoples for the sake of creating the social conditions capable of offering to everyone the possib- uh, a, a, to everyone possible, a life worthy of man and of a Christian. Uh, you know, and you think about our church and our church's presence in all the trouble spots in the world. You know, when there's famine in any particular part of the world, our church is there, Catholic Charities and other organizations that are arms within the church, there to feed the hungry. Uh, when there are, uh, you know, other types of disasters, typhoons or, or tsunamis or hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes, our church is there. And, you know, we, we have it pretty good, as you know, here in the U.S. as far as goods go. We're seeing, and I think one thing we're, we've seen in, the, in the, the, the course of this pandemic is what it is like for many parts of the world to not to be able to get to not be able to getting, get what you want or need when you want or need it empty shelves in supermarkets and stores for basic necessities i still don't get the toilet paper thing i'm sorry i don't know what what the deal is with the toilet paper shortage during the pandemic you know, we uh, we um, we use that uh, delivery service, you know, the grocery store delivery service they have, Peapod, Giant whatever. And, you know, we had our most recent delivery a week or so, a week ago, and they still didn't have any toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Everything's opening up. I don't get the toilet paper shortage. I don't get it. I understand, like the hand. I went the other day, Saturday. I was gonna um, do some of my chores on Saturday, and I had to go get some some uh, bathroom cleaner. I was going to try to get the bathroom cleaner, to, you know, and, and the the shelves were empty. Couldn't get it. All that stuff was gone. All the sanitizers were gone. I understand that part of it, but don't hoard it. You know. But we're seeing now in this country what it's like in other parts of the world on a regular basis. You know, And um, a couple of years ago, we were at a, uh, a, a talk by uh, members of the Esperanza family. Maria Esperanza, who you know, her, her cause for canonization has been opened. And, uh, there were, but she was from Venezuela, and her family was at a thing, a, a presentation that they were doing for a, a, an organization that I was at, And they were talking about Venezuela. Now, Venezuela, 20 years ago, was one of the richest countries in South America, oil-producing country with a, a great economy. And then the socialists got in. And they were telling these stories about, you know, lines and lines and lines just to get basic food at your grocery store. Um, just a horrible situation, and they were saying you know, Venezuela is a shell of what it was 20 years ago. Uh, so we're seeing now in our own way with, during the pandemic what it's like to be without, to be in, in some ways in need and want of things. But we know that the Church, and, and the Catechism says this very well, for 2,000 years— this sentiment seek first the kingdom okay you know we we and we should do that in all things you know we, we certainly have opportunity in our in our country because of the uh, abundance of what we have here in all areas of life there's great abundance but we still must seek the kingdom of god first that's the balance that's 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 the sentiment by which we live or should be living seeking first God's kingdom. For 2,000 years, the Catechism says, this sentiment has lived and endured in the soul, soul of the Church, impelling souls then and now to the heroic charity. And they cite of monastic farmers, liberators of slaves, healers of the sick, and messengers of the faith, civilization and science to all generations and all peoples for the sake of creating the social conditions capable of offering to everyone possible a life worthy of man and of a Christian. And we must work for that. Now, to to people, you know, and our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has been teaching that himself, coming from South America, from Argentina. A different culture. He grew up in a different environment. You know, there's a difference between uh, the country of Argentina and where he lives now in Italy. There's a difference, you know, and there's a difference between Italy and the U.S., obviously. There's a different different culture, different way of life. But every person on the face of this planet is entitled to live a life worthy of being a human being, obviously, and of we who are Christians have the responsibility to help build up that life for them. But first— Seeking God's kingdom in all things. And then everything else is added unto that. Jesus told us that. Have you learned that? I've learned that in my life in many ways. It's only when you first seek God's kingdom and, and, and really focus on building up the kingdom here on earth that everything else falls into place. You can't do it the other way around. You start with... Seeking first and building up God's kingdom, and when we live that way, and we encourage others to do the same, we see a greater peace, a greater society, a greater culture, one that shows mutual respect for those uh, who are different than each other and and have different ways of of living in, in different culture. You know, we're seeing and hearing a lot about that now. For a, Past mistakes, past mistakes. You know, they mention Christopher Columbus and how he and his men treated the natives of uh, North America, which some of which I'm not even sure, you know, how much of it has been uh, uh, fabricated. I don't know. we, We hear those stories. But it doesn't mean that... We live that way today, obviously. You know, we hear stories at the time when when some of our greatest Americans, the founding fathers, who were slave owners. Sadly and unfortunately, that was the culture at that time. Not right. Not right at all. But it wasn't unique to this country either. It was slavery. I mean, we hear about Irish slaves even at one point in history. We hear about uh, the... uh, the israelites being slaves and so you know it's we're of a fallen nature we live in a fallen world and we strive constantly to seek god's kingdom to build up that kingdom to correct past mistakes to learn from them and build up the kingdom so that when jesus returns he will give the, this is we we've we've done everything possible to build up his kingdom here on earth and that's what that's what our that's what our church teaches us that's that's what the church has done for 2000 years been there for those less fortunate been there to be a beacon of light to shed the the gospel truth uh, and and share it with as many people as possible so that the kingdom can be built up and so when we talk about social justice again you can read these sections in your catechism uh it starts with paragraph 1928 and continues through paragraph 1942. In these days, especially to get the Church's perspective and the uh, right teaching on social justice, we hear a lot about it on the news and through political pundits and and protesters and peoples who have uh, people who have many different opinions. But go to the to the Catechism paragraphs 1928 to 1942 and read what our church teaches about social justice and how we are called, every single one of us, to live, to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else then will fall into place and be added unto that. That's the basic teaching of social justice. And when we do that, you see what a great world this would be. All right, I'm going to go head on out of here. So uh, have a great rest of your day, my friends. Thank you for joining me. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Cheryl's here uh, with me for two hours of Friday Live. Uh, Oh, Deacon Anthony's going to be with us tomorrow, too, so uh, tune in for that. Um, Until then, though, my friends, I pray you have a blessed rest of your day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.